1: And welcome to Superfan Chats, the show where we get to nerd out about our favorite podcast, No Small Roles. Ooh. Yay! Yay! I'm Superfan Han, one of the Superfan Hans, uh, and today I am joined by
0: <gasps> Superfan Pip and Superfan Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> I almost wanted to say J because you said Pip instead of Pippa, and I wanted to be like J. Well, we
2: don't,
3: we don't have Sam with us today, and usually Sam, Han, no. and Pip. We've got we've got one syllable oh, things going on. We need yeah. to get a, a, a
0: one syllable name for you. Okay, so it's should it be J? Should you, it be J? it be J. Okay, super super fan Ham. I'm about to say Ham. Uh, ham. Han, <laughs> Han, <laughs> Han, Pip, and J. That works. That works. Sounds like PB and J almost.
1: Oh my yeah. god, I love it! It's like a... It's, Superfan alter egos, like yes. we're kind of superheroes, <laughs> exactly. and our superpower is being really obsessed with no small roles. Done, <laughs> love it. <laughs> so we're doing as he, yeah, as you said, we're missing Sam today.
2: Boo, mm.
1: sorry Sam, and the other superfan Han. But I think we've established that if we get into a room together, it's gonna be it's gonna be the you apocalypse. Both and- spontaneously combust. Yeah. And we're already close enough to do an apocalypse, I think, in general. Yes. So yeah. maybe let's not tempt fate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let us save us all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to do a slightly shorter one today as well. We're going to do episodes 58, 59 and 60. Mm-hmm. Not our usual four. Yeah. And then I think there's going to be another one with another three coming out pretty soon. Yes. So What a time to be alive. Almost like a, like a six pack of <laughs> super fan episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess I'll jump right in with episode fifty-eight. If yeah, please anybody's do. Please do. Got some hot goss to share. <laughs> uh,
0: I was gonna say <laughs> when you were talking about alter egos, it reminded me of a thing that I did in a game where there was this uh, this society that was like obsessed with like fae stuff. And they all had ridiculous alter egos that they (laughs) used specific. There was like a bunch of rich people in this club and they all gave themselves like weird fey alter egos. And when the players showed up, they had to be given alter egos as well that they only used uh, in the in the in the Grisante Fellowship is the name of it. And it was. Oh, my
3: God. That's what that's what it
0: reminds me of. But that's
3: so fun. (laughs) I struggle with names at the best of times. So I find that
1: epically confusing, but I love it.
2: (laughs) yeah uh,
1: i'm about to start dming um for fun the wild beyond the Witchlight, and Ooh. i'm excited for all the Faye trickery <laughs> it's gonna be good but that every character has like five names and i'm like oh, no. i'm gonna need a really good tracker in front of me <laughs> like all the post-it notes being like this character is also called these other things do not forget
3: <laughs> <laughs> i mean some of the Norse more characters have got quite a few names as well to be fair oh my god they
1: it's do true.
0: How many does Gwen have? Is it only two at this point or th- or more?
1: I think we suspect two, but there could be more lurking in there.
0: Yeah. I found a list of some of these names. Mo- we never got their actual names for most mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. So that there- we got Charlotte Frosty Gem, Bane Moonfig, Zephyr Bumble Shadow, <laughs> Nyx Grey Bloom, I love it. Bramble Bubble Leaf, Ginkgo Carrot Bay, oh, and Dew good. Turtle Frost. <laughs>
1: Uh, I love the Fae the stuff because it's just an excuse to be so whimsical and so silly. It's it's great.
0: Yeah, it's good times.
1: Although what's not whimsical and silly was episode 58. No, it was not. Silent oh, Spectre. So this episode picked up right after the attack on Time on Prevos. Mm-hmm. And uh Enkidu had just like punched the soul out of a dude. <laughs> um which was a thing that Enkidu decided to do (laughs) one of Enkidu's impulsive decisions sort of trademark sometimes
0: you gotta punch the soul out of a guy
1: yeah Yeah. sometimes you're just like I gotta do it yeah dark but necessary (laughs) so I think last time in superfan chats we were talking about is it spirit jar or what was the magic jar no, it's a different one. Oh,
0: magic jar! Magic jar is where your soul gets stored in an item. I think. Yes. In his, I forget what his ability was. It's like it's a cursed specter. I think. That's
2: the one. Isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, where he he put his hex blades curse on somebody and when they die, he gets to keep their. Keep
1: yes, their he gets soul. to keep their soul. And we were talking about how you get the soul, but it doesn't have any useful information or when you're sort of following rules as written, it doesn't have any like useful information. Mm. But uh David being a fun homebrewy type DM and the cast being super creative means that sometimes these things go in directions we don't expect yeah. for our delight. And Enkidu managed to circumvent the fact that this spectre can't talk by remembering that he picked up some parchment and a pencil yeah. literally earlier that day in the pub and got it to write down a whole bunch of really important information. So we find out about havoc, this other force or faction, um, that is sometimes working with the heck sometimes not. Um, who are the ones who cause the attack? We learn that they're not really up for, um, having any kind of person on the throne. Their sole mission seems to be to just sow chaos, which, uh, I can get behind. (laughs) Um, as we've established, we love chaos. Um and we also find out um that who rings is the the guy taking the shipment, um, so someone called Pellegree and where they are and what they're doing, um and they're based uh the people who did the attack and uh are based in a house on Sallow Street, number sixteen. And honestly, the whole cast worked really, really hard to get this information out of the spectre. Like, David does a really amazing job of being extremely evasive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then something that Gwen points out, which then happens, is she's like, oh, when you release it, what if it just goes back into its body and gets resurrected? And then they know that they're after us. And that's literally... What happens yeah. as soon as Enkidu releases mm. it? So now they have a member of Havoc, uh, who has all the a lot of information about them and knows they've given them a lot of information, um, kind of out there,
2: mm.
1: <laughs> which is a bit unnerving. <laughs> knows most of their names. <laughs> knows exactly what they look like. Yep. Yep. Knows they can punch a soul out of a dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like
0: knows <laughs> knows a lot of it. Like yeah. Knows what kind of what their powers are.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Knows yeah. they're really interested in the fight for the monarchy, knows that they're probably on time on Prevos's side. Like mm-hmm. for an enemy, they have a very large amount of information about them, which I think is probably not going to turn out great. No. Mm. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely adding like another layer of, of unease to mm-hmm. this multi-layered Campaign that david is building like oh, oh this this string is now connected over here on on the murder wall it's <laughs> yeah. like turning into a big web
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so then after that they decide they're going to go talk to time on so juna uses her uh, sending to get in touch um and they go to a house in plume yes. mm-hmm. and i've forgotten deromanette De Romanet that's it Yes, Mm -hmm. that's it. To Remnant House in Plume Bridge to go talk to Taimon Prevos, And uh, Gwen basically just rose them there down the river, (laughs) (laughs) the river Plume, uh, to the bridge. Hence Plume Bridge, which I thought was a lovely... Again, the world building in this campaign is just amazing yeah. and if you're on patreon and get to see some of the maps yes. um what a treat i mean david's world building skills i'm in awe mm. to be honest like i don't think i have the patience to build cities like that
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah did he, did he say whether he uses a generator or did he just write uh, draw it all by
2: hand
3: i have a feeling that he creates it all i think the majority of it comes from him yeah from his own brain yeah. word etymologies yeah. and sort of yeah
2: wow
1: I know. I really feel like <laughs> whenever I see his work, I'm always like, oh, I just Google city generator and just plug in some stuff. <laughs> oh, I feel lazy. This man's got a
0: wife and a child out
1: of the <laughs> I, I know. And a full-time job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that isn't D&D.
2: <laughs>
1: How does he do that? Um so they get there and Casula's is there, uh, Time and Prevos is there, and a guy called Quince is there who they find out is the new Lord of Tillisham. Yes. And again, kind of upending what we sort of thought about this guy, he's like, Oh, I'm the new Lord of Tillisham, but actually, I don't really care about Tillisham. Uh, I've installed a council yeah. of people and. Jenny is on the council yes (laughs) so they have a chat about Jenny being on the council which is great (laughs) I don't think they'd have had any choice so yeah I've installed a council they can do what they want you know the locals should run their local area because I don't know anything about it and I was like, ah, I like this. This is weird. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like this guy. He sounds reasonable. Um, Prevost is very adamant that he's going to keep going out and showing his face despite the attacks and is very much like trying to get the people on his side. Mm-hmm. And we also find out a lot more about the sort of fight for the claim to the throne and that it's kind of weirdly complicated. So there's this whole situation where Timon Prevos has a really good claim, but the steward is refusing to test his blood to prove that he is a descendant of the previous king.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas Berrien doesn't have such a strong claim, but because of the refusal to test, there's it's more of a fight than it feels like yeah. it should be so there's something weird going on there with the steward we also learned that the steward doesn't like berrien so it kind of is like a big question as to like why is this happening in the first place yeah mm. unclear so i guess i kind of feel like this episode was really split into two parts the first part where they're sort of gathering this information about havoc and sallow 16 and all that and then the second part where they're sort of delivering all this information to time and Prevos, and mm-hmm. kind of forging alliances and trying to figure out what to do. And Kidu also lets slip that, um, Erida told him he's got royal blood, oh,
2: which yeah. is
1: like, wait, what? Maybe I wasn't <laughs> paying attention in earlier episodes and that's come out before, but I was like, hang on a second. What? <laughs> he's, he's got, royal, what? I just thought he had a royal person in his brain. Oh, yeah, exa- that yeah. was a, a ghost, like one of the ghosts in his brain. Uh, apparently not. Apparently there's something else going on there. And we also had a little bit more interaction between Gwen and Casula, which was really interesting. Yes. And start setting up some really lovely stuff for the coming episodes. And I feel like all the characters really had like really great moments in this episode. Like everybody had something they kind of helped out with or kind of... Oh, gaius asked the specter about the hex and whether he oh, knew and about his siblings his siblings mm-hmm. and whether his siblings were around and it was confirmed that his siblings are a part of the hex and gaius yeah. is like freaking out and then there was some like lovely gaius and Juno bonding which was super yeah. cute mm. and yeah i think orin stayed pretty quiet but i i get the sense that there's a lot going on sort of in terms of connecting the dots yeah mm-hmm. um Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was a really interesting episode, I think, as a companion to the previous episode, which was, like, really fast paced and, like, action packed. It was really nice to then get all this, like, super information download. Yes, um, Mm -hmm. And really get to start connecting some bits and pieces about, like, the wider political landscape and also, like, hearing about. I I feel like there's this new faction in a way that has now appeared. So you well, knew of Havoc. about the hex. Yeah, exactly, you yeah. knew about the hex before and now there's the Children of Havoc and it's like, "Oh, there's not just one sort of criminal element, there are maybe competing ones." And yeah. that's mm-hmm. really cool.
2: Yeah.
3: I find it interesting that, you know, you would expect maybe with kind of gang warfare and things that they would maybe almost the expectation would be that they would be rival factions, but that doesn't really seem to be the case. They seem to have different aims and different goals. They seem to be like operating of the same sort of city, but mm. they don't seem to
1: be at war with each other. Yeah. Which I find quite interesting. And they asked the spectre like, oh, do you work with the Hex? And the spectre kind of wrote down sometimes. Exactly. Yeah.
0: It makes me think that there is some connection maybe in the leadership of the two groups Either that they are currently connected or that they used to be connected. Because I'm Mm -hmm. just imagining like surely if you are two factions who are both operating independently in the same space – if you run into each other, but both of you are like straight up anarchic. Well, I don't know if if I would call the hex anarchists necessarily, but I, the, the children of Havoc are certainly, certainly. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, an, an anarchist organization. I would imagine that bringing coming into contact with another organization would typically result in conflict rather than cooperation. Yeah. So. It, that makes me think that either the the leadership decided to work together or they already knew each other. Uh, and so that's, but yeah, that's that's I, I really like the idea that there are multiple factions. I think in a real world scenario, you would have a bunch of different groups who would be vying for power in a situation like this. Yes. So I think mm-hmm. having it here makes it feel more the world feel more lived in and yes. real. Uh, And my big thing about this episode, as well as whenever we get into these kinds of topics, is like, dang – should we just give up the whole spoons thing and go deal with this Game of Thrones drama that's yeah, yeah. happening? Uh, like for the succession, I feel like I feel like the prize ain't worth it. Let's go figure it out. It's probably
3: been won by now. Let's be honest. You know,
0: come on, yeah. they've been doing this for how long?
3: I completely forgot about the spoons. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there must be some team who's got a way of getting from you know town to town really quickly. Four spoons in this exactly. one. Two in this one. Two in this one. Two in this one. Done. Oh, I've done it in twenty-four hours. Yeah.
2: Like
0: it, it, especially if you like if you had uh, if you have polymorph yep. or any spells like that which our yep. group is are they they're high enough level to have polymorph Juna has
3: polymorph yeah she was a walrus oh yeah yeah exactly
0: <laughs> I, I think uh, I think we've lost <laughs> I feel like you've already lost the spoons let's just go figure out the whole thing yeah. with the king and, yeah. or maybe find like a therapist to work with Enkidu yeah the uh, demonologist and, and figure out <laughs> yeah
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That was another cool thing is we got a bit more about like his actual goals of pulling him towards um the, what are they called? The hills.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The Fallosian oh, phalo- hills. hills. I wanted to both say Fomorian, Ooh. which is not oh. that. No, <laughs> that is fay fe- Wild Underdark Fomorians. <laughs> uh, or I wanted to say Fallopian, yeah, which is exactly. also what the cast want to call them. Yep. No, the Fallosian hills. <laughs> um And then, but it says Erida's, he said Erida's prime directive is pulling him south, which is kind of weird. So there's a conflict, like, literally within, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's multiple conflicts inside Enkidu. Like you say, he definitely needs a therapist.
0: Yeah. It makes me wonder, part of me is like, guys let's pause what we're doing with all this stuff and we are going to track down the most brilliant arcanist or or artificer somebody mm-hmm. who can br- take up Enkidu apart look <laughs> at him and figure out what's going on <laughs> like, and like what?
1: What has happened? Yes, and don't
0: tell Enkidu. <laughs> Not that we don't yeah. like Enkidu, but I don't think he has any choice but to have Erida potentially go through his memory. So just don't tell him what you're doing. Put him in a bag of holding. He'll live.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, he will.
2: He would oh as well. God.
0: Yeah. just they, they really should be taking advantage of the fact that he can't breathe more often. Just to, yeah. if, if they need to sneak in anywhere, he climbs into the bag of holding. Yeah. <laughs> take him in and then like he just pops out
1: (laughs) just chuck him in a hole it's fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's this this was a really good episode for all the law drops but also the personal law like all the stuff with Gwen, and I know we've had a lot of Juna backstory as well, and I'm really curious to see how this ties in with the petals and the strings, and and then obviously I also wanted, yeah, I really wanted that sense of like, okay, fuck the spoons. (laughs) Like, There's also (laughs) Gaius's family around. Yes. (laughs) Like, can we not, can we figure this out? Because I'm still convinced there's a bunch of stuff Gaius isn't telling them because no way he's that on. it. I still feel like there's something going on in there.
0: Juna does some like detect thoughts on him while he's asleep. Something like that <laughs> hold him down
1: detect dreams <laughs> <laughs> whilst inside the zone of truth yeah yeah and also all that oh, Orin's keeping his cards close to the chest as mm-hmm. well you know there's all kinds of stuff about you know him and the wingthrups and
2: mm-hmm.
1: the woden isles and the people he knows and, and oh, how old he is
0: do we still not know how old he is and I who know, that captain mis- was
1: yes he's yeah, so yeah, mysterious yeah.
2: <laughs> I... There's
1: so many threads that are just, like, kind of running at the same time. And mm -hmm. the whole group is like, but what about the spoons? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Priorities, guys. Uh, Yes. At the time of recording this, we're on episode 63, right?
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: I... They're playing the longest of long games right now because there are (laughs) so many plot lines. I don't know if you can wrap this up before episode 100. Yeah. Realistically, like because each of these could theoretically have another four to five episodes. Like each of these mysteries, four to five episodes plus Mm -hmm. just dealing with this and all the other stuff are like. Whew. Yeah, we're in this for the long haul.
2: Oh
1: yeah, yeah. And I really thought in this episode they were gonna at least like wrap up some of the Berrien stuff because they were like, oh, we have proof he's drugging people. And then they looked at their proof and it was bad. Yeah, <laughs> inconclusive. Brevos was like,
2: this
1: this proves nothing. Nothing. Nope. <laughs> I I believe you that he's doing it, but I really we can't use this random note that says something about Alec Ludder. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't that doesn't give me anything. It doesn't say like yes. The sh- i agree to have the shipment of frosting put into the cupcakes for all my followers like there's it's not a smoking crossbow
2: yeah <laughs> smoking
0: crossbow it. it's amazing
1: so yeah i really thought that was gonna yeah. come to something but it also didn't so then another thread yep. that's just like you say mm. the longest of long games
0: mm. So I got a full. Uh, if I was wearing a hat, I would tip it uh, to Baby David and the cast. Uh, mm. Baby David, obviously, because he's the ringmaster who has to keep all of these things going and f- be like, it's been enough time since we touched on that. Let's go back and touch, you know, advance this storyline a bit longer. And we're just, and then also the cast who has to keep track as well of like when we've gone back to this, it's like, oh, yes. And I now I have to be invested in this storyline that the last time we recorded an episode for this was last year.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. And it's all right. For- us we can go back and listen to them as many times as we want but they have to do it in real
1: time yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i wonder how many of them re-listen to the episodes that have come out or that they have recordings of before they play again just to Mm. like try and remember some stuff (laughs) i don't know
0: yeah i would like to offer a big keg of twain Tide tea to (laughs) baby david and the whole cast uh, for their for their efforts yeah for Uh, sure it's great yeah it's amazing stuff
1: Well, do we want... Do you want to talk about episode 59? Yeah, let's move on to Sallow 16.
0: Yes. So, uh, this episode... Was packed with a lot of emotion and events. But in terms of actual specific things that happened, not that many things actually happened. So they've agreed that they're going to go try and find the Children of Havoc. They uh, they have Quince uh, go out and try and find Arcanist uh, Zarevir Tarek to try and get her help. Uh, Which, by the way, this was the point at which it started to hit me not having spellings for some of these names. I am absolutely taking swings (laughs) at some of the. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Zarephir Tarek could be spelled so many ways oh I know Uh, it also speaks to the the phonetic inconsistency of English Uh, but anyway (laughs) uh, they plan they plan to rendezvous closer to the hideout which is, uh, of course, Salo 16. Kasula had pointed out Salo 16 for them on a map. They scouted the whole area out with Ruana. Okay, this is a full-on courtyard of apartment buildings. Great. Uh, innocent bystanders. <laughs> that's what we love to see. Uh, the children were either in the top floor or the basement. So we got to pick one option. Uh, Gwen, uh, at the, as, as they were about to go in, I believe, got a message from Zarevere yeah. saying that the Arcanists had been removed from the job mysteriously and abruptly uh, and that other arcanists were on their way so you guys gotta get this thing done a-S-A-P. Uh, now things are starting to look real suspicious. Uh, <laughs> the party's like, cool, let's do it. They go for the basement. Uh, they get stuck with a locked door. Of course, the bane of every D&D group. Uh, uh, doors. <laughs> yes. They finally make their way through the door, and then they find Pellegree, a name that reminds me of both uh, Pedigree yep. and Pelinor. Um, and Pelican. And Pelican, <laughs> yes. Uh, and yes, and they, they find Pellegree packing up his storeroom, getting ready to be teleported away, but they can't, they're like we gotta oh and they realize there's all these arcane defenses there's all these wards placed that they can't get any closer so they they literally just talk to the guy and they're trying to be trying to find information of course he's just like I, I have no reason to give you any information beyond <laughs> yeah. what a you know uh, <laughs> and finally Gwen and Guy are like okay we've had enough of this we're going to try and pincer move this guy yeah. let's try and sneak around to a different location uh and this is where I got uh, things get a little bit hazy for me so and Kidu reaches out to Aaron. And I'm not sure if he reaches out to her, which triggers her sending uh, who we eventually find out is the arcanist Exissa Win- Wingthrop, mm-hmm. or if Exissa was already on the way and Enkidu just happened to t- to connect to Erida in time for for like right before Exissa showed up. Yeah. But regardless. Uh, the arcanist Exissa Wingthrop appears with some <laughs> this crack team uh, of like the Seal Team Six of elite mages, <laughs> yeah. like the most powerful characters we've seen in this series, uh, short of maybe Crawl. Uh, show up, they immediately incapacitate Pelagri. They get rid of all of the the wards in an instant. Just jump in, take the guy down, uh, <laughs> and then just tell the party to leave. Congratulations, we've done this. We're the Special Forces. Uh, you guys, the regular old, uh, the regular old, like, transportation crew can leave. Oh, my
1: God. It's like <laughs> the local cops being upstaged by a SWAT teams yes, yeah. and the yep. FBI. <laughs> yeah.
0: Or like uh, the SAS coming in and sending out, like, the normal yeah, yeah, yeah. the normal yeah. military forces. Or if you're American, the Green Berets uh, mm-hmm. or Army Rangers showing up and just sending everybody home. Uh, yeah but they, they, the, of course, no one likes this. Uh, number one thing for any D&D party is people hate to lose. If your plan, if your plan depends on the team losing, it is not a good plan <laughs> because players hate to lose and will do anything to try and stop from losing, which is what happens here. Guy attempts to use his ring of suggestion to force, uh, excessive wingthrup to give him answers. She does indeed fail the save, but unfortunately, they realize what he was doing and just stab through his hand, pin it to a wall, take the ring uh again possibly is that the most uh directly like gruesome injury that has taken place at least to one of the cast members
1: i guess so apart from losing enkidu but (laughs) yeah it seems like it in terms of like quite graphically described yeah like outside of like a a regular old fight where stuff happens and fireballs yeah. are thrown. Sure. Yeah. yeah, It's like, a, that feels much more like a direct torture kind of vibe.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's because it's so specific. Like usually it's like, Oh, you get slashed. Yeah. It's not like they slash you in this specific part of the body and this, you know, that it's, but it's like, Ooh, yeah. stabbed through the hand. That's one of those. I know, things. And there's
1: something about it being pinned to the wall as well. Like,
0: yeah. Ah, like it went all the way through.
1: Uh, Oh, and he's a bard. I was going to say he's a musician. His hands. hands.
0: Mm, No good. No good. Uh, They took his ring.
1: Yeah,
3: that's gone.
0: Yeah, there was basically a standoff where the party was just like, and the Arcanists (laughs) were like, you ought to leave is what you ought to do. We got two
3: questions out of it.
0: Oh, that's true. That's true. Yes. So at least we got a little bit, but...
3: (laughs) but we still they hadn't really ever- thought the questions through.
0: <laughs> no. Uh it did not they did not get anything really that they wanted. The episode ended I feel with no one happy but the arcanists specifically Exissa Wingthrup seemed to be the only person who was even mildly pleased. Yeah. Uh, and the party left uh full Charlie Brown mode head hanging the sad christmas time is here playing on the piano. Aww. Uh and <laughs> And that's how the episode ended.
1: Oh, bless them. It was one of those situations where they were like, ha ha, a really important NPC that we definitely have questions for. What are the questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do we do? Oh, it's too late.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, in that situation, that would totally happen, wouldn't it? Your your brain would just go absolutely dead. And you'd be like, well, I know I would be just not be able to think of anything that I Would have wanted to have thought of until the moment I left. Mm. But it's frustrating. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: I think the level of like violence and power that was displayed was so abrupt and shocking that like most people would just be like, oh, um,
2: yeah,
0: uh, uh," (laughs) because there's still a dude with his hand pinned to a wall. Yeah. And just, uh, can we, can he have his hand back?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Are you gonna, you know, let him go? you gonna. Personally I think I I as a listener had really underestimated the arcanists. Like I knew they were a powerful group of people. Yeah. But I really hadn't considered the level of power that they were wielding and just how dangerous they could be. Sure. Cuz I don't know, I just like I was like, oh, they're these like important wizardy <laughs> people. Like how strong can they be? You know, it's an adventuring party like oh, they're not going to be that dangerous. Oh, yeah. Oh wow! Oh no! These are people you do not want to mess with, at least until level fifteen.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Like these, our our characters are not low level. What are they? Level nine now?
1: Yeah,
3: they're getting pretty tired. They leveled up at the start of this episode, I think, didn't they?
0: Yeah, they're level eight or nine, I think. Yeah. Which is like, that's pretty strong. You got up to fifth level spells, and they just got washed. Yeah. Like, oh, I never got the impression that, like, granted, this is not the most high damage party, but still, I did not get the impression that they would even be able to take down a single arcanist before things immediately turned against them.
1: Yeah, and that, that also bodes in a very scary way really badly in terms of the wingthrops because mm. excessive Wingthrup is an arcanist, and then we also know about, like, the golem army mm-hmm. that is still being built. Yeah. That didn't stop. Yeah. There's a whole, you know, and error is super powerful, the supercomputer, you know, that is also there. Like, there's a lot of really scary high level stuff that is going on that they have been clearly shown that the party is just not equipped to tackle yet. Yeah. Yeah. It is just not possible
0: which is a great way of making the world feel larger as well. Like it's one thing to be like, Oh, there's a bunch of stuff happening over there that is still going, but it's also another thing to be like, Hey, as strong as you guys are, uh, you're really pitiful compared to these people.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting seeing that in comparison to like the Hex and the Children of Havoc, where that kind of feels more on their level, where they can kind of compete with these guys, where it's like, okay, it's a tough fight, but they can like blow up their hideout or, you know, kind of take them down in a fight as long as they're not behind magical wards. Yeah. whereas. Suddenly, like you say, you come up against this other force and it's like, oh, there is a real hierarchy and there mm-hmm. are people in this world who are more powerful. Mm-hmm. And it suddenly, yeah, like you say, it really widens the scope in a really instantaneous and quite dramatic way. It was really intense.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It also gives you an idea of what the children and the Hex are up against.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: It's it's a real rebels empire feel like we just saw like uh, a a grand moth appear and just show just how much stronger the empire is compared to the rebel forces. And it's like, oh, dang. Oh, no. okay, (laughs) it's rough out here for everybody. (laughs) It explains why these groups are so hardcore. Yeah, that's what you're up. These people showed up. They capacitated this band in in a single round. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's like, oh yeah, yeah I, I get all the secrecy now as well, yeah. Like, yeah you have to be really careful.
0: yeah.
3: I think what I found surprising as well was that when they first got through the the arcane door and then uh, Pellegree said, "Oh, don't come any closer, and they were having a chat, he seemed so secure mm-hmm. behind that arcane like the pillars with the, the with the runes on them, and it's almost like he didn't expect the arcanists mm. to come busting in and just take it down in a matter of seconds. Yeah. Which makes me wonder how mm. much of a dealing the children of Havrick have even had with the Arcanist up to that point. Mm. Or is it all just a play? Although no, he lost an arm, didn't he, to be fair. Didn't mm. they
0: didn't they uh didn't they also take his ring, like his, his resurrection? Yeah, he had
3: one single ring left on his finger.
0: Yeah. And oh they
3: just geez. took his whole arm off or took his whole hand off. Oh my god. Because Enkidu was trying to get the hand.
0: Yes, yes. And but it had fallen near the Arcanist, so he wasn't yeah, able to get over exactly. there. Exactly. It it feels like this man didn't think as many wards as he put in place. Mm-hmm. It seems like he did. He truly did not count on this as a possibility. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the last ward should have been something that would blow him up if they got, yeah. if somebody got yeah, too close yeah, yeah. and then the ring yeah. would just bring him back uh, rather than have him get captured. And I guess tortured. We'll see what happens to him yeah. in the end. I don't know. Well,
1: because we know from the last episode that they can teleport bodies away and resurrect them as well. Mm -hmm. So that, like you say, that should have been the thing that happened is if he went down, he would have just been immediately teleported somewhere else to be either be resurrected or like be at very low health and kind of, you know, just not there. But yeah, that seems like you say, it seems like a real surprise to everyone that he got captured.
0: Yeah. It, uh, well, I guess with the idea of, I mean, it, it makes sense that he wasn't expecting the Arcanists then because we, these, no one expected these Arcanists. The no. other Arcanists didn't yeah. expect these Arcanists. <laughs> so who who is it? Who's
1: the one pulling the strings? And it makes me wonder as well, like within the Arcanists, you know, there's that whole sense that like, well, we know from ages ago that there's something weird going on with the Arcanists. There's some kind of corruption yep. or double crossing happening. And I was wondering, like, are some of the Arcanists actually hiring the Children of Havoc mm. to cause mm-hmm. disruption? And I know there was extreme violence happening here, but was that all an illusion? Oh. Was it like like a, a fake yeah. like, double cross yep. kind of situation? Mm. Like they, who knows? Yeah, I feel like it could be anything with David's brain.
0: Yeah, they, they could have cast regeneration on him immediately after they left. Maybe that was yeah. why they kept waiting them to leave, is so this man doesn't bleed out on the ground behind yeah, them and they yeah, can yeah. just <laughs> stick yeah. the arm back on.
1: We're not going to be able to bring him back. Get out of here, guys. <laughs> I didn't bring the diamonds. Get yeah, I out. wouldn't put it past a, a wingthrup. To be honest, you know yeah. they they could do anything. I'm,
0: I don't trust anyone. Maybe Pe- is maybe Pellegrini is a wingthrup.
2: <gasps>
1: oh my god. Maybe he's one of the Wingthrup uh, soldiers like Enkidu.
0: Oh, how deep does the Wingthrup wabbit hole go?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it feels like like with David, any like anything could be possible. There could be yeah. any kind of twist or connection. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's he's just got so many ideas
0: we've spent so much time just talking about just asking questions like every episode is like what's going on what if what if
1: (laughs) yeah which i guess brings us to episode 60 episode 60 so this is very aptly
3: titled reflection and again it sort of it feels like a an episode of two halves again Mm. where you've got the party just feeling absolutely dejected at the beginning of it where this episode before it just everything has not gone the way they wanted it to and the first thing that happens is Enkidu just flies off he just disappears he needs some time to himself doesn't want to be around the party and he just he's just off he just goes so they quickly realize that maybe they need somebody to try and follow him Juno and Guy Juna casts fly on Guy and they try and follow him but they lose him in the clouds um meanwhile Orin and Gwen decide they're going to head back to Plumebridge. They go via the Arcanist Consortium just to have a little sneaky look around, a little sneaky peek. Enkidu lands in the Vale and has a little look around the Lord's Assembly. Uh, he has a little short rest mm. and he also does an inside check and rolls an eight and then has a conversation with... Uh, this is Hina, isn't it? The tiefling. Mm-hmm. And I've, I really love every time he does an inside check because we get we get just... A word or two that makes us go, oh, let's hear more about that. And the thing he mentions, which I don't know how much we've heard about. I'm going to throw it over to you guys because maybe I'm just misremembering things. But he mentions the words, the fields of valor. Now, is that where maybe he had the fight with Alcibiades?
1: That's what I'm wondering. Mm. I don't remember hearing that before, but then my memory is sometimes (laughs) hazy.
0: Yeah, I I don't think I've heard him say it before either.
3: No, I don't think he specifically named it. So I wondered what what the connection is there. Between them, they have a little discussion about whether Gilgamesh should even be on the throne. And actually, the Hina has reservations about this. And Enkidu also wonders whether the mission from the Wingthrups is a trap. Um, meanwhile, uh, the rest of the party arrive back at Plume Bridge, And there's a really, really, really funny scene with Gwen and Kasula. Where Casula invites Gwen to go and warm down in the garden, and Gwen's desperately trying to say sorry to Casula, but she's stubborn. Uh, and you can so relate to this, can't you? Between like a mother figure and a and a kind of adolescentish child, and yeah, they they sort of exchange blows a little bit, and that's brilliant. I love it. And eventually she does say sorry and they clear the air between them. And that was just a really beautiful moment, which I think Mm. Gwen has been almost like waiting for that moment since the very beginning of having this burden on her chest of letting the family down. And all of a sudden, you know, the apology is given, the apology is accepted and it feels like she can almost move on. Mm. So that's lovely. Oh, I had
1: a question. Yeah. Uh, Did you guys... Know that Casula was Gwen's stepmom before now because I if we did know that I blanked it I was no. like
3: wait what I assumed I think I assumed because her mother was Orcish and we knew that Kasula wasn't Orcish I just
1: but- missed the also married to Gwen's dad yeah. and on, yeah. is her mentor as well like I yeah. completely missed that when oh, it was okay. earlier yeah. yeah I just thought she was like her her mentor like yeah, yeah. training you mm-hmm. know her train her personal trainer basically I think maybe yeah. that was what it was <laughs>
3: first and then perhaps the marriage came later that's the impression that I've had in my head mm-hmm. but maybe I've just created a story around what I want it to be
0: mm. it seems that Gwen's family has a thing for falling for people that they hire to do unrelated <laughs> tasks
3: yes yes <laughs> present company included so true yes l- like
0: father like daughter I guess
3: <laughs> yeah and then the other the other interesting bit about this episode was uh whilst Gwen is out with Kasula, the rest of the party are in the kitchen eating some sandwiches and Oren finds a very interesting book and this is a book about the lineages and kings and their spouses of Drevene, and there's a lot of information. But the important thing is that it has all of the sort of kings. I don't know if we have queens in this world. Do we have queens, or is I think it may be just I don't kings? We've heard of a queen? Uh, kings and their spouses, and the King Harish, who was the last king who has recently died, who Enkidu was at the palace with. Died not long after Enkidu left, only three months or so. He had no spouses, but looking back through this book, all of the kings died or succumbed to some kind of disease or sickness of the mind. And that was what they glean that there's some kind of pattern going back all the way through, right back to Rumaf Tarabor, where all of these kings, yeah, succumbed to some kind of mental illness. Um,
1: mm. And it was fatal. Did this not feel like such a Game of Thrones Ned yes. Stark season one situation Very where he's going so. black of
2: hair? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so yeah. like, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, and
3: and the tar- Targaryen Mad King that whole side of it as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that makes us wonder whether actually the steward is doing Prevos a favour by keeping him away from the throne, and actually maybe there's mm. something more. Uh, Sinister going on with that. And it also makes me question about Kral. Yes, I was
1: literally about to say, this feels like it's got
2: Kral all over it. Mm.
3: And maybe Kral was wronged and that actually he knew that this was coming for Rumath and his divination magic looking down all of the strings was to try and prevent it. And then he ended up catching whatever sickness it was himself. Mm. That's my new little theory. I
0: also do have a little bit of a a thought though. Mm. What if Enkidu's mental situation is related to this?
2: Cuz isn't Ooh. the
0: po- the possibility is that Gilgamesh may be in some way connected to the royal family? Yep. What Enkidu if Enkidu may
1: be connected? The, what if yeah. there is
0: no Gilgamesh? What if there has only been <gasps> an Enkidu? Right. Uh, and yes. Kidu is, is
1: actually,
0: yeah. And Enkidu is, I'm
1: so on board with this theory. Yeah,
0: and he's, yeah, and he's, and the, the mental illness is like him essentially having alternate personalities that begin to appear in his mind. And maybe there's something like magical about it that these are like this is some kind of a curse, or even like s- a presences, like spirits that are being passed down mm-hmm. from like uh, mm. family member to family member. We
1: did have a talk, like it was like ages ago, with the whole. I think it was around the Erida arc about like where did these people inside in Mm -hmm. kidigo we sort of talked a little bit about like dissociative identity disorder Mm -hmm. and like how you know in in our world (laughs) not the fantasy world you know that that is uh usually caused by some extreme trauma so the mind essentially fragments and these sort of alternate personalities come in to protect the self in order to survive horrific trauma. Yeah. And there's something about Enkidu's story that really says that to me, that there was some kind of overwhelming horrific trauma that happened in the fight with Alcibiades yeah. and his personality splintered. And so he is not like you say, there is no Gilgamesh. They're all Enkidu and Enkidu is all of them and they're all inside him and and it's just him. Mm. And Maybe they're based off some friends he has had, or maybe they've just been imaginary friends he's had his whole life yeah. mm-hmm. that he's never realized are imaginary. And so so, yeah, I, I'm fully on board with this theory. Yeah. Really interesting.
0: This reminds me of uh, there was a there's a really, really hugely acclaimed production of the Oresteia. It was a new adaptation. It is a trilogy of Greek plays. If you're not familiar, uh, done by Robert Ick or Ike, I've never known how to pronounce that guy's last name. Uh, but it was the one that he won his first, uh, Olivier award for, for best director. And he also had, it was like a new adaptation that he made. And in this version, normally you have, uh, the, the parents are Agamemnon and Clytemnestra, and then they have three kids, uh, Iphigenia, Electra and Orestes um Iphigenia is killed before the story starts and then later Mm -hmm. on Electra and Orestes uh have various interactions and various pivotal things that they do but in this version it was revealed that Electra never actually existed and was an alternate personality that uh that Orestes created to get over the trauma of his mother killing his father uh and his father killing his sister Uh, uh, and that when Electra starts encouraging him to kill his mother, it's like the the part of him that was formed from that trauma, telling him to get revenge for wow. the trauma that was inflicted on upon his family. Uh, oh and man, I wish
1: I'd seen that. Yes, mm-hmm. it was really, sounds really, really like good. such an awesome interpretation. Yeah, of it was sure. phenomenal.
0: But it reminds me of this, where like yeah. perhaps yeah. this is some sort of uh, some sort of trauma that Enkidu suffered. Perhaps Enkidu is even like not a perhaps he was if, if we're saying he's the true heir maybe it's like a uh uh i mean to, for the game of thrones comparisons uh i mean look the show's already out maybe it's like a john snow situation uh <laughs> yeah. where he should have been the the That's, next one in line yeah. for the throne but with- and he
1: hints that doesn't he because he says he grew up in a in a brothel mm-hmm. with a sex worker who kind of yes. i think he said his mom was a sex worker or he was looked after by a sex worker yep. but then then there's the insinuation that his dad is the king yeah
0: What if? What if all of these other? What if? What if? um, Gilgamesh is what his name actually should be,
1: Mm, right? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It all makes (laughs) sense. It's all making sense now. (laughs) I'm going to
0: message message, uh, Daryl after this and be like, I called it, bro. And send him my whole theory. All the
1: super fans have got your number. Yeah, I'm sending him a message
0: detailing all my theories
2: now.
3: When they were in the room at the Wingthrup workshop, when all the names first came out, were any of those five in his
1: head Did any of those names actually get listed? I don't think so. No, because I think Enkidu was, they didn't have Enkidu there asking about the names because he was in, that was when they were trying to access him. It was right at the beginning, I think. Codex, wasn't it? it? Mm. I may be wrong. I'll have to go back and check. Yeah, we've got to re-listen to that bit, which came first. Yeah. I was also wondering as well with this like disease of the the mind thing, whether there's something to do with the mirrors because Mm -hmm. when they went down and saw the mirrors, there are like different, Mirrors, obviously one of them is Kral's. one of them is this, like, thing that was smashing against <laughs> yeah. it, and was some of so them were cool. scratched out mm-hmm. saying, like, do not trust, do not trust. And if they're mirrors that connect all these different people, yeah. and one of them was, like, Kral's connection to Rumath Terrible, for example, yeah. is there something about the mirrors that is corrupting that sort of Maybe. is creating the disease of the mind sort of yeah. through the timeline. And that's it's part possible. of it as well. I don't know. I
3: also wondered whether it was um, similar to what we have, again, real world with the whole um, haemophilia thing being passed mm. through the... the mm. British. I don't know if it's British or German. My, my history is appalling. It was through but
0: basically all of Europe. Uh.
3: Yeah, right? The royal <laughs> lineages passing down haemophilia. I wonder whether yeah. it was a similar idea with this. And that's why they're trying to get someone not directly from the bloodline in order to kind oh, of eradicate okay. this
0: because they're all disease. inbred.
2: You try not to, to say it but yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah they are yeah. trying to introduce <laughs> some more some, some new blood into the thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> just
2: Diversify, yeah. a diversify little bit. diversify yeah.
0: the gene just pool just a little bit. <laughs> trying to get rid of that Habsburg jaw.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Wow. <laughs> just make it just make it a little bit healthier. <laughs>
3: So yeah, it was it was an episode of a lot of information, a lot of details, and that just spurned a whole load more questions.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. As it mm-hmm. always does.
1: Yeah. Um favorite moments from this set of three. Um I would like to pick because
3: it was very silly and very inconsequential, but I really enjoyed it. There was a moment in that episode, episode sixty, where Orin and Gwen discussed cake. <laughs> just throwing back to Gwen going I really want some cake and Orion going yeah and then Gwen saying oh we could have a bit of frosting as well and it was just, it was just lovely to have a light hearted moment after all of the shit that went down in yeah. episode 59 it was nice to have a little light hearted moment and I really enjoy the chemistry between Gwen and Orin there's like that big sister little brother kind of vibe even though I guess they're similar age or maybe even Orion's a bit older
0: Orin's 78
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's already secretly 200. (laughs) But that was my favorite little moment. I just, I really enjoyed that little interaction. So sweet.
0: The, I would say the part where I, uh, the part, my favorite part is probably when the arcanist showed up and then just immediately cleaned house. And it's like, (laughs) oh no. There was like a genuine like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. Oh, this is that like it is as obviously it was more violent than typical for the show, but I was like, "Whoa, I'm genuinely shocked at, at how this went." Uh not only mm-hmm. because like this is our heroes just getting spanked, but like this is this is a, a lot more serious than than even the serious stuff usually feels. Mm. Uh I really liked that. Yeah. It added yeah. a new sense of scale.
1: Yeah, it's just like a whole other dimension to the entire podcast. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, I think I'm just going to have to choose Gwen and Kasula because it was so it was so different to what I was expecting I think like Mm -hmm. because of the way Gwen has experienced her leaving I think we only saw obviously we only saw the event through her experience and then meeting up with Dwayne and that kind of thing and, and kind of little tidbits that June has thrown out there. So I really got the sense that her family were kind of like on the side of the debarges and they'd be really angry and she didn't want to contact them in case, you know, they'd be really pissed at her and try and get her to come home. And, you know, there was like a big retribution waiting for her. And actually, it was fine. They're really kind of proud of her. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like, Kasula's like, no, you, you did like you did what you wanted to do. Good for you. Kind of almost in a way, which is like, it just really threw me in such a lovely way where I was like, oh, oh that's nice yeah (laughs) and it was just like a really lovely like a very Gwen moment Mm -hmm. of of going in and that stubbornness and like being like I'm not gonna apologize but also I really respect Kasula like so much and like it just it just felt really lovely to listen to I really enjoyed it that like character development it was really nice that's a good choice yeah yeah oh
0: I have one last question yeah when do you guys think Dwayne is gonna show up again (laughs)
1: Oh my God! Soon, please. are you, are you I
0: asking really because so. you know, or are <laughs> you, no. you asking know? <laughs> like I'm literally asking, like, wow, based on what's happening on the story, and yeah. then what happened in the in the Dwayne Fabulosa side thing? I'm really interested to hear when when their paths cross yeah. again.
1: Oh my God, it'd be so cool! And it's a
3: different Dwayne now as well, actually.
0: Mm, it's true. Yeah, he's he's undergone some real changes. Yeah,
1: he can't yeah, lie the anymore. Growth. Oh yeah. no, <laughs> such a big part of his identity. <laughs> What's he gonna do? He's gonna have to start telling the truth. Oh, he's just gonna yeah. have to start
0: making the truth sound really good.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can—he can't lie, but he can still embellish.
0: Yes, and he can always just give selective truths. But like, that's true. I, I imagine he would not show up until post spoons so yeah. <laughs> whenever that happens
1: oh my god that's never <laughs> this is just gonna keep going forever
0: <laughs>
1: no jeremy don't say how that many do you again? how many do they did, how many do they need six. and how
0: many do they have
1: they need 10 10 they need 10 i think they've got like six they
0: have six four. okay I, in my head i'm four, like did they six? get like i don't two? know They're about
1: halfway there yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe four
3: <laughs> get a move on i think every challenge they've done so far they've been successful
1: i think okay yeah but how many have they done? I can't remember. Three? <laughs> they, there was the tightrope yeah, there one. Was, there was the count how many spoons on the tray one. Yeah. There was. Shoot the bag of stuff. Okay, oh, yeah, so that's yeah, three. yeah. And Gwen that's made a three. girlfriend.
2: Yeah. Um, so I guess they have there There's
1: six? been two. I, yeah. I think maybe there's been I'm sure there have been two more. Was, is the tightrope one the same one as the posts? Yeah, that get, was the one. Yeah, oh, it yeah, was the yeah. tightrope. Yeah, 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 they yeah, had, yeah, it was
0: the balancing. Yeah, the balancing challenge.
1: God, maybe they've only got three.
0: Well, do they get two from each one or do they only get the one?
1: No, they just get the I'd one. I'd love to see a spoon tracker. Oh I'd love to just like have that. <laughs> yes. Like, as a little marker <laughs> yeah. just on their website, like spoon tracker. We need to, we need to
0: suggest this in the Superfan chat, in the, <laughs> chat, uh, in the <laughs> chat chat. So yes. that we can yeah. get, us, get ourselves a spoon counter just so that we can know. Yeah.
2: Because
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> this is like the first season of Pokemon where it's like a hundred yeah. and something episodes. And it's like how many, like most of these episodes have nothing to do with getting badges how many badges does Ash have
2: now?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, such a good reference. (laughs) Um, Well, if you want to join us in badgering uh, David in the cast to get a spoon tracker, you can join the Discord where we can just incessantly spam messages about like, how many spoons have you got? And seriously, how long is this going to keep going on? (laughs) Um, Or if you want to have even (laughs) more access and even more power, you could join the Patreon um, where you get all kinds of cool behind the scenes stuff. Um, Daryl's just started doing a segment only for patrons, which is Rambler's Rest, where he just chats to some people from the cast and kind of adjacent to the podcast. Mm. And, you just get to have like a lovely listen to a lovely chat with daryl yeah. um so that's going on I did one uh, with him. as well as i don't know if it's,
0: i don't think it's been released yet but i did one with him
1: well it's exclusively for patreon yeah. yeah
0: so if you want to hear so... me chat with daryl about Yay! all sorts of stuff
1: Always. i mean yeah we do yeah go, <laughs> of course we do go
0: check out the patreon at some point <laughs> yeah. it'll be up. i don't know when and there's
1: there's other cool stuff as well like you get to vote on stuff that david puts into the world sometimes And there's maps and then you get pre-releases it's really really i think it's worth it to support the podcast
0: definitely and all those subclasses he's made
1: oh Uh yeah you get all his homebrew stuff
0: yeah the man's a sub I have
1: yet to use it but and they're all really well made Mm -hmm. again Mm. how does he do this how does he have the time (laughs) I he has he's got he's got magic I'm convinced Mm. (laughs) um do you guys have anything you want to plug
0: uh I don't know when this is coming out but uh we got a got an actual play series on three black halflings uh it's called curse of the spider queen it's tales of Wagadu, the curse of the spider queen uh it's very very good it's 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 sort of a distant sequel ish to the first series that we did the the uh the cub and the caterpillar although you can Mm. listen to this without having listened to the cub and the caterpillar uh and i think you will you'll have a different experience than someone who has but it's not so built on that show that you're going to be like what like, it's got, it's got all new characters. The world has changed. It's set, uh, a, like, over 100 years after the event of that show. Uh, so, yeah, just go in and, and just check it out. It's a lot of fun.
1: Great stuff. Amazing. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you. This has been so fun. I can't yeah. wait to see you all again. And we're for under more an hour. chat. <gasps> <gasps> For now. <laughs> Maybe that's our cue quick, to sign off. Are we gonna do it? Are we gonna do We're it? Gonna do it. <laughs> We're gonna do it. Okay. Ready?
2: Yes. And and on on now.
1: Now. <laughs> <laughs> We're
0: all trying to listen to